I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. And I'm Jenna Spinelli from Penn State. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Shonda Ivory, welcome to Higher Ed Social. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So uh, you work for an organization that has probably my favorite acronym in higher ed, which is NACAC. Uh, Can you tell us, uh, for listeners who are not familiar, I think most probably are, but for those who are not, um, what NACAC is and, and what your role is there? Sure. So NACAC is the National Association for College Admission Counseling. We're based in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of D.C. Um, And we're an association now of about 25,000 college admission professionals, high school counselors, college folks, some folks in the um, financial aid area, enrollment managers, and um, independent counselors. So we've got lots of people who support students during the through the transition from high school to college, and they're all members of NACAC. And then uh, what do you do there? Oh, I'm the director of communications. And I've been at NACAC a long time. So I went from um, all print, and now we manage uh, the social media, the electronic, everything that NACAC does to uh, promote the association, publication-wise, and just messaging. We're in charge of that. And we're a department of three now. That's a big job because NACAC is not a small, a small outfit. Um, how many college fairs do y'all do a year? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so when we were in person, we were doing about 96. So it was the regular college fairs, STEM college fairs, and performing and visual arts fairs. And since the pandemic, we're down to about 30 maybe, and they're all virtual for now. Um, we're looking at um, going back live in the f- next fall, uh, next spring, but um, we more than cut them more than half in half. So, but it's still a lot of work. The, the virtual space was not as um, easy as it sounds when we started the pandemic. So everybody's been kept very, very busy. I do know that, see, I, I used to work in admissions and I know Jenna, worked in admissions too. Um, we took the admissions route as opposed to the student affairs route. Cause you know, those, those are the two routes mm-hmm. um, that in the registrar's office, which is the, you know, that's a, that's an yes. interesting route that very few take, but uh, there's, there's lots of interesting like routes. And, you know, one of the things I, I never, I never been to a NACAC fair. Um, I don't know how, if Jenna how has. Is that I would assume. I have. Well, I was on the technology side, so I only ever got the um, the cards that came back. Um, oh god! And even then, someone typed them in for me, and then I like imported them into the system. But that was like the most work that I did. Mm-hmm. And and this was back before y'all had those cool QR codes that everybody <laughs> scans. Right. Um, that then gives the list to the school, so someone. Doesn't exactly. have to type them in. Um, lo- lovely thing. I think it's wonderful. Because, um, you know, when I was at Belmont, well, I'm still at Belmont, obviously, but when I was in admissions, mm-hmm. um, we actually 
uh, started doing, um, I came up with like a little system where students could like uh, use netbooks. That feels like such an old thing to say, <laughs> but netbooks to type in student information. And then, um, you know, it, it was kept in a little secure database on the computer and then we would like export it out. But wait, 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 wait. Can you just describe what a netbook is? I'm having trouble remembering. Maybe our younger listeners don't it's know. It's a crappy it laptop. <laughs> It's a crap top. Um, <laughs> it was it was that thing we had before iPads yeah. that everybody thought was going to be awesome because people were going to get a cheap laptop because they were like $199. Like, oh my gosh, this laptop is so cheap. But really it was cheap. And the screen, like, and the keyboard was tiny. Um, like, you know, I have this, I have, I like small keyboards. Like I have my, my cool little RGB, like, mm -hmm. uh, typey keyboard but it's smaller than this like i couldn't even type on it and i have little hands you know and it was rough it was rough um and i am so glad that technology is so much better now and you know i'm all I, i'm not in admissions anymore but you know we we still help out our admissions counselors by like making stuff that goes on the tables yeah. and making all of our admissions materials and all that kind of stuff that's on the table you know, I'm um, really is... going to date myself. You talked a little bit about inputting, but I remember when NACAC, we we provided it from the communications department, we provided cards for the college fair folks to hand out at the fairs for the kids to fill out and talk about dating myself. Uh, yeah. How many trees <laughs> died for that? And exactly. I say that because what do students do when they're at a college fair? They just kind of take it. Because yep. someone hands it to them, and then they're like, uh, and then they throw it in the garbage. Like, or they put it in their handy-dandy NACAC bag that we provided, never to look at it again. Well, I, I don't know. They might look at it in like 20 years when they're cleaning out their room <laughs> at their parents' house because their parents yeah. are moving somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll be doing that soon. Yeah, um, yeah I, know, I know my old room is still filled with all the stuff that I got. And like... I was like a non-traditional student when mm -hmm. it came to, I got all this crap from colleges and I never, well, I don't know how it is these days, but I never looked at it. I was like, you know, I know my parents aren't going to let me go there or there or there or there. Um, so why apply? And I was like, well, there's, well, I could go to the state school that's nearby. And there was like, there's two like big state schools. There's University of Tennessee, Knoxville and Middle Tennessee State University. Do not laugh at this. <laughs> I hated orange as a color, and I like blue's my favorite color, so I went for MTSU. That's how I chose my college. <laughs> I am the worst. Um, I am the absolute worst. But I had a, you know, a great six years in college. <laughs> um, you had a plan for what you, an idea. So, and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Degree in biology, and now I'm in marketing and higher ed. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> College taught me how to think critically. Yes. Um, and just because you go to school for one thing doesn't mean you have to graduate with it. All that matters, you don't have to put on your, you don't have to put your major on your resume. Mm -hmm. You just put Bachelor mm -hmm. of Science. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Doesn't matter. <laughs> That's what I tell myself at least. <laughs> but I've turned out, I, I think I turned out okay. So, you know, having been to 
a NACAC fair before it it strikes it it struck me at the time and and I think this is true of other big fairs as well that's just you know all these students they you know some of them obviously are very very enthusiastic very into it but there are others who are just clearly there because they have to be you know everybody on their school was going on a bus that day or you know those sorts of things and I'm wondering if the the virtual environment has maybe made attendance a little bit more intentional, like the students who who really want to be there are putting the time in to, to register and, and things like that, as opposed to just having to go because I didn't have a choice. Right. You know what? So I w- was going to say that kids are definitely more intentional about attending the fairs um, because they don't have to, but they're there in front of their computer all day. And we work with the counselors to provide all of this information. You have options. And one of the great things has been that um, institutions make individuals available from the departments or from the admission office or financial aid office to speak with kids one-on-one before they even join, uh, attend the actual event. So I think that has really helped with attendance and participation with students because they have an opportunity to speak one-on-one about their personal circumstance with an expert at the college that they're interested in. So it really has worked out pretty well for us and the kids. Oh, that's, that that's great. Cause the other thing I remember too, was that, you know, there would just be like a line of kids so long that I could never really have meaningful conversations with anyone. Cause just like, you know, get through one to the next mm-hmm. and to what you were saying before, look and collect all those cards so I can bring them back or get their, get the code scanned or, or things like that. You know what? And, and the institutions, most of them provide a live chat during the event, which also has been really, really helpful. I mean, it's been so um, popular that uh, we use a lot of staffers to help staff, you know, direct questions when we get them. And we, often don't have enough staff to um, help with the help the kids get to where they want to go or need to be. Hmm. And I, I can see how the virtual environment would allow you to talk to 50 kids at once, um, as opposed to the two that are, that can mm-hmm. fit in front of your um, table. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of awesome. Um, plus, you know, you can have a video, you can do all kinds of interesting things. Um, I, I know that we've, uh, we've definitely seen a lot of change when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, I think for the good. Um, I think more institutions as we, as they got kind of used to the online, the virtual fairs, they just became more creative in the way they would have big rooms where, you know, you can have as many kids in as you want. They did lots of videos to just entice kids to learn more about their institution. They were doing it on their websites already, but to have it all in one place, on the NACAC website has really been helpful and the kids can be more intentional. So, I mean, I guess the other thing, I think maybe the a, a stereotype about NACAC, it does tend to get associated with like these big fairs, but there's lots of other stuff you guys do. How do you help students on a more individual level or, you know, something that's not just thousands of people either virtually or at an, at an in-person event? Well, you know, so much of what we do is with counselors, the folks who support them. So we do a lot of programming for the people who support the kids. So we have a number of professional development programs. We do a lot of professional development type webinars and programming that, you know, about all of the subjects that kids need to know about. Test optional. We try to take positions on 
national matters that will help students in the transition. So it's kind of on a global level. We're not so much in the classroom and the day-to-day with the kids. The the fairs are our most direct um, relationship with the kids, but we do believe that we're working um, with counselors who help them make decisions about the transition process. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about um, mental health for counselors. Mm-hmm. That's been like a big issue. Obviously in, in, in COVID it's, it's impacted schools in, in so many different ways. And it's like one of those, like who's taking care of the people who take care of the students sort of thing. Yeah. Is that something that, that you guys have, have addressed at all in your, in your programming? You know what we we've addressed them through our programming and our webinars and that those sorts of things. But NACAC is truly focused on the admission process. And so where there's the opportunity um, when counselors have brought those issues to the forefront for us at our national conference, for instance, we're going to have a panel on um, the stressors in the college admission process. There'll be a couple of those, um, how COVID has affected students. And with so many of the policies that we did, I mentioned test optional earlier, um, that is a stressor for kids. Um, and NACAC worked very hard to to talk about um, the impact that standardized testing has on students during a pandemic. You know, how many of the test centers were canceled. How does that impact students who are trying to their best to take a standardized test? And how does that affect them, the, the stressors that go along with that as they try to figure out how to check every box in the college admission process? So we take positions on kind of global issues that we think will support students, not only in the process of college admission, but in their their mental health and their ability to not be so stressed out by the process. Yeah. And, you know, there's in, in some ways, and, and Logan, maybe you can, you can attest to this, like college admissions, just, because it's so cyclical on the one hand, it can just be the same old thing year after year after year. But on the other hand, it's like either that or the other end of, you know, the, the other extreme. It's like, oh, we need to like completely reinvent the wheel and like blow up the system and do something completely different. Or like you're always chasing the new shiny thing, right? You know, year to year, whatever, like the latest and greatest is. And I'm wondering how NACAC as an organization navigates that? How do you not both not get stuck in like the same old, same old, but not chase after, chase after every shiny new thing either? You know what? We have to be very intentional about that because as you said, I mean, every year there is something new, some new twist that a college is doing that other colleges are asking, should we also be doing that? So for NACAC internally, we just, we have to prioritize. We have goals and objectives for the year and a lot of those remain the same. We're, we're always looking at how can we support public school counselors in the, tra- in the college admission transit, uh, process and the students that they serve. That's always a priority for the organization. So those kinds of things, they are priorities from year to year, but they're the bedrock of most of what NACAC wants to do to ensure that all students have an equitable opportunity to attend college and Public school counselors typically don't have the time because they are stretched in many, many different directions. They're not just doing college admissions. They're doing the mental health aspect of the job. So that that's one area where we know that that's a thing that we're always going to do. Um, we hear from a lot of members um, 
about things that are happening, but we have a research team that has its own priorities for the year. And we try to, um, with the assistance of our board of directors, we try to focus on those priorities that are important, but that we can't chase after them and stretch ourselves so thin that we don't do any of them well. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about this time is that there are less college-bound students now than there were before, and the number of colleges hasn't changed. One of the things that I've always appreciated about NACAC is is the way you support both students and you know professionals as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all about it's all about the students, but you know it's also about you know making sure that counselors are you know up to date on the research of mm-hmm. what of you know students coming in and you know what other schools are doing and stuff like that. I, I've always found you know I, I work more in web these days than I do in admissions, but you know on the website of things, people are incredibly collaborative across mm-hmm. universities um, to talk about the stuff that they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And you know when I was in admissions, that actually surprised me a lot, um, considering the nature of you know, college admissions is, you know, a little competitive. Mm-hmm. Well, to, to, to that point, I mean, you're right. The numbers are going down just across the board. But when you talk about the collaborativeness of NACAC, one of our, because we have both high school members and college folks and the competitiveness on the college side, the high school folks are very protective of their students. And mm-hmm. typically you know, work very hard to make sure the fit is right. I mean, and that's the thing about NACAC. Every student should have a counselor who is able to do that, um, who has the time to do it, who has the um, information to do it. And in so many schools, public schools, for instance, they don't have a counselor who can ensure that that every student has that opportunity. So our counselors on the counselor side are very interested in holding the colleges accountable and making sure that their students, the students that they're sending to the institution are, are the ones that are going to thrive there. Yeah. Um, so I know that there, you said there, you mentioned the, the, the conference a couple times to that point of like the latest and greatest, like mm-hmm. what's, what are the, the hot topics this year? What's everybody going to be talking about? Are there certain themes that sort of tie together the, the sessions? <laughs> COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> COVID, 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 and how, how, how they responded last year, lessons learned, and how they're going to take that information and use it to support students going forward. Um, diversity, equity, and um, inclusion. That's another one that is a hot topic for everyone. Um, and this year we have Sean Harper, who spoke at our conference in Boston a few years ago, um, probably ahead of his time, times have changed in four years, um, but he's going to be back to talk about um, talk about inclusion on college campuses and making kids feel welcomed and widening the net to in- increase your um, the diversity among your students and those sorts of things. And then Soledad O'Brien's going to be joining us just to talk about kind of global issues that impact society. And she'll talk a little bit about education and those sorts of things. So um, diversity, uh, um, equity and uh, inclusion are just, is just huge for us this year. Oh yeah. I'm just thinking about like how, um, 
yeah, how you have thought about, I mean, obviously this, this year's conference is going to be in person. Um, but you know, how have you, how have you approached those types of conversations in the virtual world where it's, it's a you know sensitive topic, but, and you know, can be, can be difficult to have, especially in a, in a remote setting with, with people that you, you don't know. Um, have you had any success stories from the, the DEI realm in, in virtual programming over the past year, year and a half? One of the things we did last year, which was very successful, we had a, when everything just kind of jumped off after George Floyd was murdered, that sort of thing, we had a town hall for members and it was very successful. We had some experts from higher education to come to talk about the history of things and how we got here. And it was, um, people were very raw because it had just happened and everybody was trying to figure out, well, what do we do now? What do we, how do we, how do we support students who are going through the same things we're talking about as adults? And it was just, it was so successful. People, people came, they were engaged, they had lots of questions. And it was so successful that we've created a series of, well, it's an institute for diversity, equity, and um, inclusion. And we've had some workshops around that. They've been all virtual this year so far. But um, when we're in Seattle, we're planning to also continue those. Um, so, and people have been receptive. They understand the challenges of, you know, not being face-to-face. And even in our staff, we've, we have a new director of inclusion um, who hosted some events for our staff so that everybody could get involved and, and talk about these issues that are so important to the organization and society. So they've been successful. We've been happy with them, but we know there's a lot more work to be done. Mm-hmm. So what are the biggest challenges um, that you see um, coming uh, for the organization, for you know, higher ed in general? Um, we've got some, we've got some stuff, but what do you think, you know, what do you think are the biggest things that folks should be focusing on? Um, especially from an admission standpoint. Well, you know, it's what you mentioned earlier because the numbers, the demographics just aren't favoring institutions. And so a lot of work will have to be done to widen the, the pool of students that we have. That's why, I mean, we're focusing a lot at NACAC on widening the net, making our programs more accessible to um, institutions that are growing. HBCUs are growing. Um, lots of kids are attending those institutions. And NACAC needs to broaden its support of counselors and professionals at those schools, as well as the students who attend those schools. Um, uh Technology, I mean, COVID is going to be around a while, as you said, and we've just got to figure out, we're learning how to navigate that space, but it looks like we're going to be facing another increase in numbers, and we're here to help our institutions, particularly the on the high school side where, you know, those kids are back in school, um, they're younger, you know, it's just a challenge for everybody, and NACAC is working hard to ensure that we have the opportunity where we can help. We want to help institutions get back into the schools and support their kids. Um, Our CEO, Angel Perez, has talked a lot about higher education as a public good. And that continues to be 
just at the top of our list of things that we need to focus on. We need to help policymakers and lawmakers understand how key higher education is for all groups and for our country. And that's kind of what we're hammering home these days. Yeah, that's one of the things that always drives me bonkers is as someone who graduated from from a STEM program, yes, STEM is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Engineering, science, math, um, technology, all of that fun stuff. Yes, those are high paying jobs. Those are important jobs. But what drives me bonkers every time I'm on, I shouldn't, I do social media for a living, so I have to be on Facebook. (laughs) But I see people talking about, you know, I see people talking about how worthless liberal arts Mm. degrees are or philosophy or any of these kinds of things. And they discount the, the, the importance of creativity and and all of that kind of stuff and how a college degree can help with those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And as you know, the liberal arts classes that I took in college, um, even as a you know science kid, like they're the one that's those are the things that were more formative to what right. I became as a professional. Um, and the writing skills, the um, the ability to work with others in groups, mm-hmm. that's you know that's a yeah. thing. Um, the yeah, history they, classes they that I. Them. They call them soft skills, but they're not so soft these days. People need those to to advance adapt yeah it's it's about adaptability like that's what kids need i mean kids students um that's what students need these days to to become truly functioning functioning adults because it's one of the interesting things you know us millennials um people don't make fun of us as much because gen z's around now (laughs) but and we're probably why there's less high school students (laughs) than um Another thing we killed. Um, <laughs> you know, we we live m- with multiple careers. We have multiple careers. We have different phases that we've gone through. I've seen some of my friends do complete 360s in their careers, but it, w- they, it was made possible by higher ed because they were able to learn to be adaptable in college, to think critically about things they do, to understand, like, more than just a trade. Not that trades are bad, like trade skills are wonderful. Um, And there's definitely, you know, a need for those, but you know, trades aren't for everybody and science isn't for everybody and math isn't for for everybody. And I mean, I was a kid who grew up and I was going to be a doctor when I grew up because, um, you know, my mom doesn't listen to this show. She wanted me to be a doctor um, real bad. And I did not become a medical doctor, but she's like, oh, you could be a biology doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could. And and then I just went in a whole different direction. And and I'm kind of glad I did because, mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I'm much happier with the talent that I found in myself. Um, and college did that. And, and I want, and, and that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to be in admissions when I started was that, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do something in my life that changed someone's life. And, you know, I still do that in marketing. You know, I help students make the biggest decision of their life. Um, and the decision of where you're going to go to school 
I mean, it is literally life-changing. I mean, there's mm-hmm. something, you know, finding the person you're going to marry, I guess that's important. And, you know, having a kid, that's important too. But but deciding what you're going to do for the rest of your life, or at least preparing yourself for that, education is the most important thing. And I don't know. That's why I think the work that we do is wonderful. And that's, <laughs> I, I, I've said it way too many times on the show. I'm um, standing on my soapbox talking about yeah. higher ed, but you know, all of all of us are cogs in in this bigger thing that is just amazing, and it it's so much more fulfilling than getting someone to buy tires or right. shoes or you know to buy your service or whatever. Like right. it's it's great. You know what? Ninety five percent of NACAC members would say that. We do this thing called Member Spotlight. And one of the questions is, how do you get into admissions? And some of them came up. They were tour, you know, tour guides. Tour guides. Yeah, they stayed. (laughs) (laughs) They stayed on at their institution. Some of them came from like a a marketing sales background. But it was all they all say, I wanted to make a difference in a young person's life. And I've stayed. I did not. And all of them to a person almost says, I did not intend to stay in, in admissions this long. And I've been here because I wanted to, I, I, I support the kids. The young people are fantastic. And if I can help them make good decisions about their future, that's what they're there for. That's the thing that I love about that. Um, yeah, it's always a track. Like if you start, if you go into student affairs, you are an RA. <laughs> and if you were, if you go into admissions, you are a tour guide. And what's funny is like, I was both. Like I was a tour guide um, for a little bit. And then I was also, um, I was in housing for a while. I wasn't an RA. I like skipped straight to RD, but that's another story. (laughs) But it's so interesting because, um, you know, these these college experiences are what made us want to stay in higher ed. Mm -hmm. We loved it so much. We didn't want to leave. I don't know if I can speak for Jenna on that, but I know for me. Yeah, to, yeah. To, um, I mean, to so I came in through through the marketing route. Uh, I was not not a tour guide, though. I did give tours uh, when needed when I worked in admissions. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is something, and even in the in the the work that I do now on on democracy works, and in you know, it is very much connected to that like civic mission of of higher education, and so that's. That speaks to me very deeply. The you know higher ed as a, as a public good. That's something I think about a lot because we're training people to be mm-hmm. citizens in this thing we call democracy and self government. That's a whole other soapbox that yeah. I could could go on, but um, and and maybe I will someday. We should probably have somebody on who can maybe talk about that. I could I could geek out with a little bit, but. Um, as we uh, as we start to wrap things up, I would be uh, remiss, Sean, if I didn't let you talk about your podcast. Uh, you and I met at the the podcast movement conference in Nashville a couple weeks ago. So why don't you tell us about it? So our podcast is called College Admissions Decoded, and we've been um, hosting podcasts since 2019, and it's just started as an idea of a way to help college to help students and parents who are preparing to go through the college admission um, process, learn more about it. So a lot of it is basic information. If you don't have a college counselor, for instance, you can learn a a 
college counselor, de a counselor dedicated to college admissions, you can learn a lot about um, the process through our podcast. We talk episodes about testing, um, financial aid, writing the college essay, filling out an application. Um, we did one um, specifically for counselors when COVID first started about supporting, supporting your students through the process. And it was a lot of information where our guests just shared what they were doing at their institution to at, at their schools. These were high school counselors to help the kids uh, on during online learning and as they transition back to the classroom. So it's basic information, but it's good information for a person who really just wants to get to the nitty gritty of what's going, what I need to do to prepare for the college admission process. Awesome. Well, we'll put it in the show notes. Folks can check it out, pass it along to their colleagues and their students that they work with and, and parents too. But um, thank you so much, Shonda, and uh, best of luck with your, your conference uh, in September. Hope that all goes well. And uh, yeah, everybody is ready to, to get back and, and get the most out of it. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Super exciting. And listeners, head down to higher.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today. Subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vitrano and me, Logan Bishop. And we're part of the Connect EDU network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye, everybody.